There we go. And before I delve into Deuteronomy and into Matthew, let us pray. Or allow me to pray. Dear Lord, as we, as we turn to your scripture, as we open up the, the, one of the oldest books, Deuteronomy, and one of the so-called newer books, the Gospel according to Matthew, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, work upon us. That whether we are the speaker or the listener, the reader or the talker, Lord, indeed, may you prepare us for that particular message you intend for us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, Deuteronomy. And it's going to be towards the end of Deuteronomy. It's going to be Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. And in your pew Bibles, you can find it on page 233. So, I introduce this passage with just a brief statement that in his last, last address to them, Moses reminds the people that God offers them the choice between abundant blessing, life, and the curse of alienation, death. He urges them, of course, to choose life. Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to the worship of other gods and serve them, declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live, not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. That is, if you had turned away that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Thus ends the reading of Deuteronomy. We now move to the reading of the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verse 21. And this morning I'm going to read 21 through 20 and then speak on that matter. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny, says Jesus. May God bless the reading of this word.
the name of my sermon, the title, excuse me, of my sermon is, But I Say to You. And it's repeated over and over in the passage. And if I'd read the rest of the passage, you would hear it three more times. But I say to you. And where I'm going to focus on this is the law and love. Now, of course there were laws in Bible times. Of course there were. And it's thought that the laws were similar to those that we find in the Bible. may have already existed. Many of the laws that exist in the Bible may have already existed. For we have found, and, and, and this Deuteronomy was probably written about 1500 B.C., so about 3,500 years ago. But the laws of Eshnunna and the code law of Hammurabi, which is probably 500 years before this, before Deuteronomy. Well, these laws sound like biblical Old Testament laws, but have nothing to do with the Jews and we Christians. There were price controls for products like barley and wool. There were regulations involving theft. The status of slaves. Marital relations. Crimes of violence. There were laws against crimes of violence and laws against Close your ears, Cooper, wherever you are. Vicious animals. There were even laws concerning a dangerous ox and the liability of its owner. Sounding much like Exodus 21, 28 through 32. There is evidence that the Bible did not spring into existence in isolation from its larger culture and political setting. In other words, we have this image that, the, that, that, that you know Moses ran up on the mountain and it was just dumped on him. But we have evidence that there were these laws, many of these laws existed before Moses was born. There's great evidence of our need for laws, even a dependence on laws. We depend on laws. We need laws. And laws seem to offer a standard of living that may escape us if left lawless. It has been written, it was written by uh, Jeffrey Robertson, a human rights lawyer, he said, Law is a system of rules and guidelines which are enforced through social institutions to govern behavior. In my words, we need laws to make us behave. We need laws to make us behave. And it makes sense to me and, and likely to you, then, then there comes Jesus. Okay? So Jesus comes along. And what does he say? But I say to you, and addresses four laws. He said this to his disciples. He said it to his disciples. And, and in our reading of Matthew 5, we hear Jesus remind us of those laws. And the laws must have been well known to the disciples. The, the laws must have been well known because you have heard that it was said. So Jesus is saying, you know these laws. I'm just repeating them for emphasis. You know these laws. Jesus seemed to be drawing from the Ten Commandments. In this case, you shall not murder. And then, for the sake of record, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not cover your neighbor's wife, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, notice, Jesus doesn't undermine or negate or ignore those commandments, but with five words, Jesus likely made his disciples uncomfortable. He probably made them kind of squirm around. I was over at Sam's Club yesterday, 
and there was this family. It was an extended family. You can tell their grandparents were there pushing the cart. You could see that the grandchildren were in the cart, and they were like everything, maybe about one, two, three years old, just little, little kids. And there was this one little girl riding in the cart. You know how they're turned around facing you as you push it? And she's, she's sitting there. She's obviously bored. She's obviously getting uncomfortable. So she was doing this little dance like this in the, in the uh, cart, She's just wiggling her bottom back and forth, back and forth. And I said, I said, she just probably wishes she could just get out of that cart and go walk where she wants to go. But you can imagine, if you get made uncomfortable, you get bored or whatever, it's, it, it, it's hard to sit still. So imagine what the disciples were feeling like, because they're alone with Jesus, and Jesus is going, you, you. But I say to you, and you've heard this, but I'm going to tell you again because apparently you're missing it. You know how if you get a whiff of smoke, if you get a whiff of smoke from the rubble of, a, the, 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 of the next door neighbor's fire that he set the night, day before, you can, get to, you can get a little uncomfortable. In the middle of the night, you know how that fire will still smolder and all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you smell. You smell something burning. If you own a house, you've wondered, where is that fire? For those disciples, these five words that Jesus might, might, might as well have set the temple on fire. The only world the disciples knew seemed to have been set afire and the smoke filled their lungs when Jesus said, but I say to you. In fact, Jesus goes beyond the law. Jesus goes beyond our external acts, right? to our thoughts and feelings, our insides. Jesus had that way about him, that he could pierce the veneer of our self-importance, of our confidence. But, with, but I say to you, I had a wonderful, wonderful father-in-law years ago in my first marriage, and he had this wonderful saying. You knew you were getting ready to get clobbered when he said, I know you don't want to hear this, but... And he said it. I'll bet he said it to me a hundred times. And it's kind of what Jesus is saying to him. I know you don't want to hear this, but... Jesus takes it to the heart. Jesus moves from our external acts to our inner thoughts and feelings. Over the years, there have been false and harmful interpretations of the law. Pharisees burdened the people with manipulative interpretations. But with that pharisaical effort, they implied that our actions could make us more holy. So the Pharisees come along and say, by your actions, you can actually be holy. A righteousness that is spiritual, we might say, with Valentine's bag coming soon, it, it arises within us, in our heart. You're not going to fill those bags because I told you to. You're not going to fill those bags out of some kind of guilt. I hope you fill those bags out of love. What is our motivation when we do acts of kindness? What is our motivation? Why do we do what we do? Are we keepers of the law? I'm sure there's a lot of us that say, I'm a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments. 
When I say that I'm, imp- when I say this, I'm, I'm implying that I'm living out of fear of what may happen if I do not keep the law. When out of fear what, of what may happen if I do not keep the law, we, we, we are simply law keepers. We're afraid of what may happen when we slip up. God will get us, judge us, send us to hell. But Jesus even challenges that way. If we keep the law but live to the contrary of our if we keep the law but live to the contrary in our hearts, we're convicted by our own hearts. Those who have trusted Christ have the righteousness of God's law in their hearts. They're not motivated by fear, but by love, wrote the ancient ancient writer Warren Wearsby. Motivated by love. We're called to be motivated by love. Love your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love everybody. Love God. And be loved. Love fulfills the law. Imagine what it would be like if we let love be the motivation. We'll keep all God's commandments without exception just because we love. But we're incapable of such love. So thankfully, God so loved the world that He gave us His Son. Therefore, what is your motivation? Fear or love? In Acts, we have these words. Sinners can have their hearts purified only by faith in Christ. Salvation is not by keeping the law. So, the law can't purify our hearts. But the Holy Spirit can. What the law could not do, God did through His own Son. Those who have trusted Christ have the righteousness of God's law in their hearts and through the Spirit obey His will. They're not motivated by fear, as I repeat, but by love. Love is the fulfilling of the law, wrote Paul. If you you walk away with anything, remember, love is the answer to everything. If you can't remember what the law is, what happens sometimes. But if you forget to love, a great void is created. People have sat in my office and asked me, Pastor, what should I do? And they want to lean on the law. They want to make decisions based on the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church. They want to make decisions based on um, past experience. I will always say to them, Whatever you do, do it out of love. And you will never go wrong. Ever. You may look foolish to the world, but you will be living exactly the way Christ taught us. It ain't easy, but it's right. Let us pray. But I say to you, says Jesus. And then he hands us, then Lord, you hand us a heavy, high expectation to love. To love you, to love others, 
and sometimes the hardest part, to love ourselves. So Lord, as we go away from this place, as we take that scripture in our heart, as we go out into this world, it'll come soon. All of us will be faced with a decision of, what do I do? Lord, may it be that you remind us of your word and help us to live out that love that builds community, that love that turns this world upside down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.